monster, a creature with such horrific features, a lady, a bride, and scary movie fan, some nerds and their website present this woman and her man. Well, hello and welcome to the first ever edition of Bride of the Creature. I am the creature, Joey G. Joining me is my beautiful co-host. I'm the bride, Nicole Guzecki. Yes, the cutest sounding podcaster you know. <laughs> Thanks for joining me here in the kitchen, hun. You're welcome. So, this is the first episode of the new show here at FlashFact.org, Bride of the Creature, where we're going to be looking at a different horror movie once a week. We're going to take turns uh, picking a horror movie to force the other one to watch with us. So, uh, we get to have a mandatory date, and you get to listen to us talk about our date movie. It's going to be very scary. Yes, indeed. So, uh, I thought before we get into it, since this is the first episode, uh, we might talk a little bit about the horror genre itself, Mm -hmm. since that's what we're going to focus on in this show, and what it is about the horror genre that you and I both find uh, so appealing, because we both like the horror genre for very different reasons, I think. But I think I like it more than you. (laughs) Okay, it's fine. I mean, if by that you mean you like it indiscriminately, then yes. What does that mean? It means that you like any piece of shit movie if it's because no, it's a horror there movie. There was a big chunk of our relationship in high school, yes. especially where I loved horror, and you were like, "Those movies are shit." No, I agree, and that's and then as I got older, that has completely changed, and now I would say horror is my favorite genre of movie. So it's like I'm more true no, but to my, it. What I'm saying, Nicole, is that. We can watch the worst movie ever, and just because it says it was a horror movie, you're like, that was the best thing ever. I don't say you that. Find, you find, like, the... You, you will like the worst horror movies just because. No, I will like them because one scene is disturbing, and I like that kind of thing. Yeah, and yet, though, I've watched real disturbing horror movies, and you flat out won't even look at them. It's not ethical. <laughs> Okay, I guess we'll get into that debate maybe on another episode. So to begin with then, why don't you tell us what your favorite... Well, first, before we get into that, why don't you tell me uh, what it is about horror that you like? Why is horror your favorite genre? You know I don't have a good answer. Well, this is a shitty podcast. <laughs> give okay. me... Yeah, I don't know if to be a good... Just give me your answer. There's okay. no wrong answer on this. I'm not going to grade you. Well... I might. Dead air is really not a podcast. You have to see. You, have, you to speak. have to excuse me. I am. I'm not well, so I'm sick and yeah, coughing. Excuses, excuses. Tell us why you like horror. I like horror for lots of different reasons. What are they? <laughs> um, dodging the question. I've always liked horror, ever since I can remember. I've liked feeling scared. I like being creeped out. Um, I don't know. I just. I like. Like feeling unsettled. I like that something I watch on TV can make me feel something like that. Like when I first saw The Omen, I stayed up till sunrise because it scared me so bad. And like I like that something is that powerful. That's interesting. So, in order for you to really enjoy a horror movie, does there have to be an element of it that scares you? Does a horror movie have to be scary? Yes. See, we don't agree on that. This is something because well, you're that not I, scared by anything. Because well, you're point. a tough man. It's not because I'm a tough man. I don't know what it, why it is, but uh, I, I've heard this debate lots of times on other podcasts and read different things about it, where people saying that 
a horror movie well it wasn't scary and that's sort of their criteria for it being good but a lot of the best horror movies ever made I don't think are scary there are situations that I can objectively look at and think okay this is a horrific situation clearly this is has an element of fright to it whether it be you know the jump scares or or something unsettling like a psychological kind of a way but or just like a gross out factor from right. the gore but I don't think that it actually has to frighten me and it's me. not a horror movie well the movie we watched tonight didn't scare me at all, and I thought it was quite good, but we're going to talk about that later. Yes, but it had very disturbing, okay, creepy but, parts. Okay, but they didn't scare me. Well, because you don't get scared by anything. Did they scare you? They, you were actually hiding by the pillow a couple times. Yes. There. Can you go kill our dog who's chasing his tail He's in the like tap dancing Bender, in the kitchen. B- Bender, you need to <coughs> shut up. Mommy and Daddy are podcasting. Don't cuss, Mommy and Daddy. I did not give birth to that thing. Birth. <laughs> yes, he is. He is son of the creature. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. Well, I'm going to talk about why I like horror, and I unlo- I sit around a lot and just like think of things like this. I just like things because I like them. That's that's f- that's fine. It just doesn't make for very interesting listening. So now I'm going to talk. Well, because I did I have, try, and I appreciate. I'm not giving you shit. Relax, woman. Let's hear it's your fine. your. Thesis on why do you have, why I'm, you like why are you being horror? so hostile? <laughs> Let's hear it. Uh, I feel like you don't want to hear it now. I do. I'm really I can interested. Tell. I can tell you're really interested. Don't look at my notes. You're gonna read See? spoilers. See your thesis I have notes. right there. It's his thesis. Not about what. Okay, one of the there's lots of reasons why I like horror. Like you said, uh, I think one of the major ones is um, one of the interesting things about me is that I have a somewhat mild case of OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Yes. Uh, and not like in the way when people are just like, oh, I'm a bit OCD, gotta have my stuff in alphabetical order. No, I like, a doctor gives me pills and I take them. <laughs> so, so I actually, one of those people who could say, oh, sorry, my OCD got the better of me, and, and it's true. Um, now, what this has to do with horror, I'm getting to that. Is that there's lots of different things to collect? That's part, uh, that is an aspect not, of it. Like, I'm in addition always, to your OCD, you are a huge collector. Are you telling the story here, love? Or am I telling the story? <laughs> yes, I do collect a lot of things, and I suspect that that is either a cause or a um, result of my uh, my mild OCD. But uh, so yes, there's the aspect of collecting. I'm also just fascinated in in the history of things, especially of pop culture and film, and the history in particular of horror films and exploitation films and just low budget schlock. I have to has agree with you. Always been the coolest, and yeah. I also I've always felt that. Given no money, filmmakers have to be a lot more creative. If mm-hmm. so, if they're going to pump out a ton of these shitty, cheesy, sh- schlocky, bullshit exploitation and horror movies, there has to be something about them to keep people interested because they don't have the money to hire great actors or great cinematographers or build great sets. So they have to use their imagination a lot more and come up with a more interesting way of doing things. Which so is from way a creativity, cooler. well, exactly. So from a creativity standpoint, I think horror gives you the opportunity to. Be, it forces you to be more creative most of the time. I also like the aspect, the social aspect of horror, um, in terms of it's the only genre of filmmaking I can think of where a bunch of friends can literally get together and make a movie. Like, really, there's not a lot of other. I mean, I guess you could make little, like the mumblecore movement out of Chicago and things like that, but overall. What is that? It doesn't matter. <laughs> this is not the film cast. Um, <laughs> but overall, like, it's one of the few genres that a bunch of friends can just get together and make a shitty movie and people can actually enjoy it. There are very few other genres where a movie can be bad, objectively, mm-hmm. and still be enjoyed so much by so many people. I agree. You know, like, if you saw a shitty comedy that doesn't make you laugh, it's not well, bad. then it's bad. 
if you see a bad drama with bad acting and it's annoying, you're not going to sit and get a bunch of friends together to watch it. There aren't whole movies dedicated to how bad they are as a joke. The Lost Skeleton of Cadavera. A total just like homage parody, uh, but a very loving parody to old B-movie science fiction and horror films. I agree. I, I think those bad B-movies or whatever, they get mm-hmm. some of the biggest cult followings. Yeah, Especially in horror or things like that or science exactly. fiction. Exactly. And then, so getting back to the OCD thing, the big point about that is that I can think of no other genre that has as many subgenres as horror. <laughs> because anybody can make a horror movie, there's so many of them. And there's so many different subcategories. Yeah, and I, I love organizing awesome. things, which you, wouldn't, which you would never guess from looking at our house because it's kind of a mess. But I mean, I have lists everywhere and notes, and like I took notes for this, and this is no, the kind of. You are I love organized. this kind of thing, exactly. I so, do like all the subgenres of horror. And I. Like, I don't generally like the histories of things. I think they're usually boring because I, I failed my social diploma <laughs> Or is it because school. you've had to listen to me yammer but, on about the histories of things for, like, 13 years? But I do like the history of horror um, because it, it goes back so far. It and it is actually interesting to me anyway. I would like to point out to the viewers at home, listeners at home, that despite her claiming that she loves the history of horror, she vetoed my first pick for the movie because it was too old and boring. No, I didn't veto it for that (laughs) reason. Why did you veto it? I vetoed it because it was borderline science fiction and you said it could be disputed. Uh, No, just hear me out. You you said it could be disputed if it was a horror or a science fiction. I didn't want that for our first episode. I wanted straight up horror. (laughs) You're almost knocked over Pepsi. I think that you you can blur the line between science fiction and horror. Anyway. I think so too, but not for our first episode. <laughs> okay. It has to be straight up You'll horror. notice I didn't pick that movie. I picked a different one for you, didn't yeah. I? Mm-hmm. So, cool it. Alright? Okay. Just cool it. Well, you, you attacked me So first. anyway, holy lord, I didn't attack you. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> anyway uh, so yeah, I love that you can the hundreds of different subcategories and that there's, there's always something more to learn about and some other weird scene like I keep discovering new genres I didn't know existed I read a like thing on the Gialli have you ever heard of Gialli films? No. it's what like an that? Italian subgenre of um, horror? well not necessarily just horror like oh. in Italy Gialli refers to like mystery and crime noir type things yeah. but typically in North America when that word is used it's used to describe Italian films that are crime mysteries that have an element of horror in them sort it's of an the type, element of horror well, because or, then I don't know if I count that doesn't matter if you count it. <laughs> Jesus. You know, I, I, this is why it'd be better if I was Wikipedia, because then you couldn't <laughs> just be always arguing with me about everything I say. Anyway, the point, the point, woman, is that there's... Don't call me woman. Bride of creature. There are a million different subgenres, and that's one of the reasons that I like it so much, okay? I also, in the past couple of years, have really started to get into uh, gore effects. Like, when I was younger, I was very yeah. squeamish, and I didn't really like the gore, and now... I can watch a pretty shitty horror movie if there's going to be some sweet gore and cool kills. I do like gore, too. Yeah. yeah. I think it's That's sweet. It. Yeah. Well, then I picked a good movie for us tonight. So, uh, without any further ado, why don't we get right into the movie of the week? Unless there's anything else you want to say, would you like to scold me anymore? No, I'm not scolding you. intimate details of... <laughs> no? Intimate details of what? I don't know, like bedwetting or something? I don't know. Nicole wet the bed until she was... 25. Joey's lying. <laughs> you take that back. You tell me. I take it back. I take it all back. I take it all back. Please don't throw things at me. What did you just throw? A bit of a racer. You know Bender's going to eat that. This is a little teeny tiny bit. This is the same person who freaks out every time he like goes near a stick. 
No. He's going to eat a stick and he's going to die. He's <laughs> going to get a stick in his belly. Well, he has eaten wood and he's gotten very sick from it. Well, you try eating wood. <laughs> See what happens to you. Well, anyway, for our first, for the inaugural Bride of Creature, episode one, I chose the 1979 Italian zombie flick, uh, Zombie <laughs> 2, by Lucio Fulci. Uh, called Zombie 2 because this was the year after Dawn of the Dead came out, which I, I still think is the best zombie movie ever made, the George Romero film. Uh, and in Europe, the Dawn of the Dead was released as Zombie. Here's Wikipedia for you. Talking, so, living, breathing, <laughs> wicked. Do you want to learn this yes, interesting I shit do. or not? So Although this film is entitled about. Zombie 2, despite it not having anything to do with Dawn of the Dead. And sort of horror tends to uh, be shameless in its promotion. <laughs> like it'll do absolutely anything to get people to come watch the movies, including make you think it has something to do with the George Romero movie, which it does not. In fact, the zombies aren't even the same kind. So why don't we go ahead and listen to a little bit of the trailer for 1979's Zombie 2. Anyone on board? Yes, it looks abandoned. One more step and I'm going to blast you. Now freeze where you are! Yes, it's my father's boat. And uh, how long since you last spoke to him? Well, we have to go to Matul. We're trying to locate Anne's father. She hasn't heard from him for some time. It's not a cool place to hit. I'm going to tell everyone that you're the one who's crazy. Demented, cruel, evil. What exactly did my father die of, Dr. Miller? And the boat's crew, what happened to them? What is about the dead coming back to life again and having to be killed a second time? Please, violence, fantastic legends, voodooism, zombies. All right, so Nicole, why don't you go ahead and give us a brief synopsis of Zombie 2. All right. Well, it opens with a very pretty sailboat. Remember? It was gorgeous. <laughs> it was. It was a nice sailboat. In the beginning of the movie, Nicole said, that's a nice sailboat. And I said, how would you even know? You don't know anything about sailboats. And I said, that I've be been sailing. And yeah, she's been like in a canoe with no, a pillowcase on no, a No, I really went sailing for gym class in high school. You would know what gym is if you took it in high school. I didn't take it in high school. It was in drama. I can tell. What? She just gestured at my fat and said I can tell. Ouch. Well, you... That's not cool. You're disputing my credibility in sailboats. You're calling me a fat ass. Well, I know lots about sailboats. Anyway, and then... So he made fun of me. And then in the movie, the police officers that find this abandoned sailboat near New York... They commented on how nice the sailboat was, too. So I was right. This is the longest synopsis. Oh, okay. You don't have to go shot by shot. Just tell them what it's about. Okay, so this girl, Anne, and Peter, right? Anne is, the, is a girl, yes, and yeah. Peter is the journalist. So the, her dad owned the sailboat, but he's not on the boat. So she wants to know what happens to her dad. Then she knows that he was on this island. So they get these other two people named... Uh, their names Suzanne. were Susan and Brian. Susan and Brian. They discover them there to try and rent their boat because they're on like their honeymoon or vacation or something. Stop eating your bed! Bender. Idiot. Um... To take them to the island. They go to the island and their boat has been broken as well somehow. Oh, with the shark. You don't... <laughs> this is okay. Do you want me to take over? <laughs> no, I'm almost well, you're done. Skipping. You said their boat has also been broken by the shark. Like, no one knows what you're talking about. Well, I thought... Uh, 
I thought you, I was giving too much detail. Now I'm not giving enough detail. Why don't you make up your mind? Go ahead. All right. So Susan, no, not Susan. See, I'm doing a better Anne job. and Peter <laughs> head to the island to try and find Anne's father. Along the way, they hook up with Brian and Susan, and after a mishap involving a zombie and a shark and a coral reef, which is possibly the coolest thing ever, mm-hmm. uh, their boat gets damaged, and so they're not able, so basically the drive something, like some piece of the boat isn't working, it doesn't really matter what part it is. The point is, they're kind of trapped and they can't get away from the island, they get onto the island and they meet Dr. David Menard, who's a uh, medical doctor on the island who's trying to get to the bottom of what's going on with all these uh, dead rising from the grave, basically. And he knew Anne's father, and basically from there, it's just that uh, the plot kind of just propels you through a series of, of zombie kills and, and big set pieces. It doesn't. It, it's not super plot heavy. It's not like it's a. It, and it also doesn't have like the social commentary that like Romero zombie early zombie movies had. But it does go back to the roots of zombies, which is in voodoo, which I liked. I did like that as well. Yes, the fact that the zombies themselves, while they don't explain why they're coming back, it's alluded to that it's suspected voodoo on the island of the, and something to do with the uh, invasion of Spanish conquistadors in the 16th century. Right. Right. So let's talk about first of all. Let's talk about some of the things that happen in the movie. Um, one, the first thing I noticed when watching it is, despite some of the dubbing isn't great because yes, that was a bit distracting at first. But then I got. Used I think to you know it will probably depend. I, I'm not sure which. <coughs> there's a couple of different versions of this movie that have been released. We didn't yeah, get. It, we didn't get an. So. We did get an uncut version. The version we watched was uncut, but I think that there may have been different dubs um, because different characters are dubbed better than others. Yeah. For example, the. The guy who gives Peter West, Ian McCullough's character, his assignment... This is awful. Well, it's because he's speaking Italian. That's that's, uh, Lucio Fulci, the director of the movie, as a cameo in that film. So he probably has a really thick Italian accent. I've never heard him speak. But I'm assuming that that's why his dub is so off compared to a lot of the other ones. So you don't think that that was even his voice dubbing it? No, I'm positive it wasn't. It also wasn't... um, the guy played Brian Hull, uh, Al Cliver. That's not his real voice either. I oh. just read on Wikipedia that it was a different voice altogether. But I was thinking, despite the fact that the dubbing was not great and that it looks and feels kind of cheap because it was inexpensively made, I was really impressed with the actual filmmaking, like the way the camera was, would move, and it looked very professional for being obviously very cheap. Lots of times when you see these kind of B-movie or exploitation horror flicks, they look cheap and they look kind of amateurish. Yeah. And I, I definitely did not find that. Um, no. These zombies, like, versus George Romero's zombie, zombies. Well, those, well, they looked amazing. They were so gritty. Yeah. They, like, they looked like his. rotting flesh, for oh, sure. Yeah. That was a lot cool. of the, I liked like, how gritty yeah. it was. In Night of the Living and even Dawn of the Dead, a lot of the zombies just kind of looked like guys with blue paint on them. Yeah. These guys definitely looked like rotting corpses. But I'm even just talking about, like, how the camera moved, how the set, things were staged, different shots in the movie. Like, there were some really neat uh, camera shots, like this a sequence inside the doctor's wife's house where there's a zombie trying to break through her door. And we're watching her push against the door as the zombie's pushing back. And the camera pans off to the right, and you just see the light from the door growing. Rather, So we're not seeing the door open, we're just seeing the light from outside pouring right. into the room. And I thought that was such a cool shot. And then she closes the door and cuts off the zombie's fingers, which was sweet. Yeah, that's cool that you think about that stuff. I don't think about camera angles well, That's or why shots. we're doing this together. And uh, 
in, further to that point, according to my research, Nicole, it's not surprising that this looks sort of accomplished in terms of filmmaking, is by the time Lucio Fulci had made this film, he had already directed around 30 films in Italy. He'd already been a director for quite a long time. Uh, he'd made like something like 18 or 19 comedies. He started off doing comedy. Really? He did a bunch of spaghetti westerns and also some Gialli films, which I just told you about. Right. Um, after the success of this movie, this was his huge international breakout hit for him. Uh, that that he started to do a lot more of these ultra gory uh, horror films. In fact, he released like six of them within the next four years. Many of which were written uh, with the same guy who wrote this movie with Lucio Fulci, whose name was Dardano Sacchetti. Um, and now Dardano Sacchetti, this was his fourth film that he'd written, or possibly fifth, but at least fourth. Uh, and some of the previous ones that he'd written that were filmed were Cat and Nine Tales, which is another, which was a famous Dario Argento movie, uh, and Twitch of the Death Nerve, which is a Mario Bava movie, and then also another one called Murder to the Tune of the Seven Black Notes, which was also directed by Lucio Fulci. So just in this particular writer's career, the first four films he made or wrote, he worked with the three biggest names in Italian horror history. I just thought that was really neat that like when people talk about Italian horror filmmakers. The, the big three that most people learn about first are Dario Argento, who made Suspiria. You've heard of Suspiria. I, I think I started it once, it. but it was... Uh, Mario Bava, who was making movies in the late 50s and into the 60s and, and so on. Right. But uh, he's very famous for movies like Black Sabbath and another one, I forget what it's called. There's a few. Okay. Um, I haven't seen any of them yet, but we're going to get to some of those on this show. And then Lucio Fulci, which this, was, this is sort of the most famous movie Lucio Fulci ever made, but he continued to make other ones after this. But, yeah. <clears throat> so there you go. I think it's cool that, because I, I like horror and I have a bunch of your old room org magazines mm-hmm. and lots of, I've just absorbed all the images from horror that I've seen that this poster for this movie so many mm-hmm. times without ever seeing Before it. Before we realized when the, there's a sequence in the movie where a zombie <laughs> conquistador sits up in his grave basically and it's very slowly revealed and he's face is rotting he's got worms in his eyes and I was like that's the poster and you said I've seen this picture before yeah that, I, that image has been with me since exactly since my first year at ACAD yeah the first time I, I ever saw that poster the first time I heard of this movie would have been when I was in grade 10 and I think yeah. I had a friend who was telling me about zombie movies and at the time I was much more squeamish and didn't really like gore or horror mm-hmm. it was it was very gory oh yes well let's talk about some specific sequences then um for many people, the highlight of this movie is the zombie versus shark sequence. And I didn't even know that was coming. I was surprised when there was a zombie underwater. I yeah, I was really pleased when I saw you actually were like, whoa! Like it actually scared you. Um, we have the character of uh, Susan, Susan, uh, who has the gratuitous nude scene. She's wearing just a ridiculous thong bikini and no top. And scuba, scuba diving. diving. That doesn't yeah. seem safe doesn't matter. It's a 1970s exploitation horror. Plus, she was touching all kinds of coral, which you're not she supposed to She had a do. nice ass, though. But it's disrupting the wildlife. Anyway, while she's swimming around there, uh, she spies a great white chiefy and uh, hides in some coral. And as she's hiding in the coral, a fucking zombie arm comes out and grabs from, like, her. From, like, the coral. Behind and then, but... The coral saved her because she rubbed it all up in the zombie's face, right? And, and she, escaped. she swam away. And then we get to see zombie versus shark. And it's awesome. Yeah, I didn't think that would happen either. Yeah, but wasn't it so awesome when the shark bites the zombie's arm off? Yeah. It was great. And it was so like great. green blood all floating on the sea. That scene has kind of become famous and uh, there's been so many homages to it. Really? Uh, oh yeah, not just in film but in, in lots of other things as well. Like for example, um, there's a Canadian, uh, 
well, one of your favorite bands, White Zombie, references. Well, not the. Uh, never mind. That's a different thing. I got ahead of myself. There's a Canadian <laughs> band named Fake Sharp Real Zombie. Um, there's a band called Sedmore Paramedics who have a song called what Zombie vs. Shark. I'm going to get to that. It's, well, it's the next thing I want to talk it's about. It's kind of what I want to know about right now. It's the next thing we're going to talk about. Okay, so the, the next big set piece in this movie is when the doctor's wife is alone in the cabin and she gets attacked by a zombie. And she barricades she's herself in her room. She's got crazy eyes, yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have nightmares Her acting her wasn't eyes. great, but she's also nude. Remember, she has, she's in the shower. I thought her acting was good. She, when she wasn't doing dialogue with the other guy. Like, when okay. she was... At the beginning, when she was very melodramatic and very highly strong, and I was just like... <sighs> she had good facial expressions. Yeah, because, I mean, saying. I get it. She was kind of going a little bit mental from being on the island, but also... <laughs> The scene where her husband smacks her around doesn't really do a whole lot to endear him to you. No. Because, like, until the other characters meet him, I assumed he was the villain. I kind of and forgot then, that. And then the other characters happened. meet him, I'm like, oh, he's not a villain at all. He's actually a good guy. But he fucking smacked his wife around and hysterical. I guess it was hysterical. more acceptable to do that back then. I wish. What? <laughs> Anyway, the best part of this scene is she's barricaded behind this door and the zombie smashes through the the door itself. It's a shitty door. It's made out of like... Out of wood? It's a fucking hut on a fucking tropical island. What do you want? Yeah, but you would think that he was leaving her alone knowing that zombies are a possibility and he just left her without a gun or proper doors. I mean, I'm not saying that he wasn't being irresponsible, but I just think that you're picking on the door for no good reason. Well, it was a shitty door. Anyway, the door gets splintered, and there's this really sharp splinter piece of wood sticking out. And the zombie reaches through and grabs her by the hair and slowly pulls her towards the splinter. And we see this painstakingly slow shot of her eye getting closer and closer and closer. And just at the moment when an American horror film would cut away, and you just hear a scream, we don't cut away, and, and the fucking stick slowly squishes into her eye... And gouges it out the side, and it's just awesome. It was. Uh, that's the part I covered one of my eyes. She did. At, and Joey asked me if I was covering both my eyes, but I wasn't. It was just one eye I was covering. I actually wrote, and I never use this word, but my note here says, eye gouge was gnarly. I don't use that <laughs> word, but I could think of no better word to describe that as, oh, that was gnarly. Yeah. It was gnarly. Anyway, now your white zombie thing. The white zombie song um, on their album Astro Creep 2000, the song Electric Head Part 2, there's a lyric being a fistful of hair and a splinter in the mind. So, which is a reference to Zombie 2. Right? Isn't that neat? So do you know how they filmed that? I assume that they built a fake eye. No, I don't. I have no idea. Sorry. Well, you had a cool story about the shark and you didn't share it. Well, they didn't. (laughs) With our viewers. Oh, would you like me to tell the story about the shark? Audience. The way they filmed the shark scene was they got a real shark and they put him in a tank with the actors and then they fed him a fuck ton of horse meat so he was full and then they drugged him a little bit so he was sleepy and then they just fucking did it. <laughs> and he was really fat. The shark was fat. Well, he ate a lot of horses. Yeah. I liked that. So you. I, sorry, I didn't. I'm sorry. I thought you wouldn't like to actually hear that. And um, this is another scene that's been homaged in several places, most notably. In the Planet Terror segment of Grindhouse, the um, with Quentin Tarantino. Well, it's the Robert Rodriguez sequence, but it's film. But it's the sequence in the movie where Quentin Tarantino's character gets stabbed in the eye with a piece of wood. That's yeah. an homage to that. And in fact, Quentin has said that he and Robert Rodriguez would show double features of Zombie Two and the film Torso with movie trailers to give the actors the feel of a Grindhouse movie and what they were going for. In that movie, the splinter in his eye was from the girl's wooden leg, right? 
be honest, I don't remember. Like I I've watched Death Wish a lot more times than I've watched Planet Terror. Yeah, me too. But I think it was her one leg, which okay. is gnarly, as Joey would say. It was pretty gnarly, pretty <laughs> darn gnarly. Uh, and then the next, and pretty much the well, the next big set piece probably would be when the zombies start waking up out of their graves. And uh, our heroes are all sort of gathered around resting as one of them's been injured escaping from the house where they went to find the doctor's wife and found a bunch of fucking zombies instead. Yeah, that scene was creepy because that it was, was cool. so slow how they yeah. walked in. And it, you don't even see those zombies right away eating her. You see her, like, dead. And, and then, then it slowly zooms out and you see someone eating out, her wrist. There's yeah. one person eating, like, her leg. Another and then, on her face. And, and they're all just sitting there slowly eating her, yeah. which is different than what you see in zombies now, because now it's like, they're, they are they're slow for the most part, and then they, then they eat fast. Like, it's because 28 Days Later ruined it for all of us. They made all the zombies snarl and run. Well, I liked that in Dawn of the Dead. The remake of Dawn. Yeah, the remake. Which we will debate one day, because it's not... I think we've already debated it. But never on the air. Never think, for the people at I home. I think we have. What are you talking about? On, we made it when I filled in for Brad. This is a whole new show. Oh. You can't assume that we have... Crossover <laughs> audience? Exactly. No, This is this, these are your fans now. Ooh, I have fans. Well, you probably don't, but that's beside Shut the up. point. Anyway, yeah, so the, that was great. But then when the zombies are coming up out of the grave, there's one of the three scenes in the movie that caused this movie to not be released unedited in the UK until 2005. Uh, and, and I'll talk a bit more about that towards the end here, but it was the eye gouge scene, the zombie feast scene, which we just talked about, right. and the scene in which Susan is terrified and petrified and can't move with fright, and a zombie eats her fucking throat, and it's it's horrific, and the blood is gushing, and the wound is awful, but the most horrific part about that is the gurgling sound mm-hmm. of the blood gurgling out her ripped open throat. I, like uh, that I was just like, whoa, that was you know, what I gnarly. Thought... <laughs> Stop saying that word. <laughs> um, what I thought during that scene was that you, like, watching it, you know that it's fake. You know that it's a prosthetic or, mm-hmm. or in fake blood or whatever. But in a sense, it is more real than what we see now. Because Absolutely. now you just, even if it's not CGI, you assume it's CGI or something like and that. Is. And you just brush it off. So CGI is just. It's not even real for the actors. But back then, even though it's fake, it mm-hmm. is, in a sense, real. That is really happening. There's really something, something. being they ripped off of her throat. Real, real I would say, gushing fake blood. Like, yeah. it's very, it's more, very, very more it's real great. than the CGI. I always say that I liked it better when they used practical effects in films because you look at it and go, wow, that's so cool. I wonder how they did that. As opposed to nowadays where you look at it and go, wow, I wonder how much that cost to animate. Well, because like even, I think it was Jurassic Park 3 I just recently watched and I was watching the special features and when I saw Jurassic Park 3 in theaters, I was thinking, all the dinosaurs are CGI'd and this is no good. And a lot of them aren't. I was surprised Mm -hmm. when I watched the making of them. A lot of it was still the robotics Mm -hmm. and stuff, but it... You just assume now that it's CGI. Mm-hmm. Or it has that kind of look to it, even yeah. if it's not. So, well, Jurassic Park 3, I, w- <coughs> I just want to say, is way better than Jurassic Park 2. Okay, we are not fighting about this right now. <laughs> Jurassic Park 2 has... Okay. Jurassic Park 2 sucks. Has uh, Godzilla scene, pretty much a Godzilla scene. Yeah, which scene. sucks. They do it so badly. <sighs> anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and then the last big step sequence is the final showdown with a horde of zombies outside the hospital, and it's fucking gnarly. <laughs> Which is a church. The hospital is a church, which I thought was Well, it's like an old weird. church. They turned into a hospital. Yeah, but it was weird. Why would a why? church be a hospital? Well, why not? 
They needed a big building because people kept getting sick and turning into fucking zombies. Yeah, but medicine doesn't work with with religion. What? what? It's not like the... What? What are you talking about? The two don't mix. What? Why? I don't... I literally don't know what she's talking about, ladies and gentlemen. I have no clue what Science you're saying. Science and religion. Okay, but it's not like priests it say... It was distracting. Don't... It wasn't distracting. There's lots of... Like, in third world countries and stuff, the Red Cross and whatnot, they'll set up, like, clinics like that in church places all the time. It's a, it's a large building where people tend to congregate, and it was big enough to house all the fucking bodies, man. This is weird. It's not weird. They should have built Fuck, a you've been to punk rock shows in old churches in Calgary. Why is that weird? When did I do that? Well, there's shows that they play at that big church, the Unitarian Church or whatever. You've been to shows at that big cathedral. Don't look at me that like that. That was a punk rock show. Well, what the fuck difference? What kind of rock show was it? You went to a musical show? That was show? Chad Van Galen. So, oh, oh, I guess so. He was just doing what? Old hymns then, was he? Singing, oh, what a friend we have in Jesus? We have a lot more mellow than punk rock. What the fuck difference does it make how mellow it is? These guys are saving lives with medicine. And that's no good in a church, but Chad Van Galen is fine. He wasn't doing science. I'm going to... I don't even know in what to say. What do you even say to someone like you? I don't even... I literally don't even know, have the words. It's because you know I have a point. You, No, it's because I would like you to one day kiss me again. And I'm afraid that if I tell you what I think of you right now, you'll leave. And you'll, this will be the last episode. You're just sounding <laughs> incredibly before. stupid right now. <laughs> We're going to get letters saying, The show was great. Nicole's dumb, though. Well, if you do, then I will write letters back to <laughs> You're going to answer all the hate mail? <laughs> wow, that's a good promise. Uh, so yeah, anyway. Yeah, like in Jay and Silent Bob when they go tell the, the, the <laughs> yes. palaces and kick the it, shit it out of like everyone. That, yeah. <laughs> You're so funny. One last thing I want to say before I give a bit more of a lecture and then we can get into what we our final reviews of the movies. Um, this is such a tiny thing. Did you find it was so weird to hear the characters call them zombies? Like, you never hear the characters in zombie movies call them zombies, usually. You know what? I know you usually don't, but I thought I thought it worked for this movie. It wasn't yeah, distracting at all. But I just... I didn't find it distracting, but a couple times I was just like, it's so weird. And then I go, but one time, there was a big scene at the end, no spoilers, but there was a scene at the end uh, with a radio broadcast where they say zombie like 300 times. And I was like, how do they know they're zombies? You know? They didn't have 30 years of zombie movies like we do. I guess yeah, they Yeah, but, but. They, it takes place in the in root in the in voodoo and voodoo called them zombies so it makes okay. sense all right fine i didn't say it didn't make sense i just thought it was funny all right anyway so just a couple little other things uh the film was released like i mentioned in europe as zombie 2 uh in the u.s it was just called zombie uh and it actually had a little gimmick because it was it played in drive-ins and whatnot and so one of the advertising gimmicks they did for the movie was they gave you a free barf bag to go with the movie because to kind of play up the gruesomeness Ew, of all the gore that just reminded me of when Jackass number two came out, and they had those um, air fresheners. Oh, shit. That, oh, my idea. God. They were so gross. I yeah. actually smelled one. It was... I almost threw up. I needed that barf bag then. <laughs> I didn't have Anyway, that. this was a gimmick that would be repeated a bunch <laughs> of times in the... And then probably had actually been done before this. Um, I forget the name of the movie now, actually. I think it's The Blood Spattered Bride and one other one where they actually... The trailer is literally just this guy interviewing people coming out of the theater. And it's it's a weird trailer, but there's a part with a little styrofoam cup they call the Upchuck Cup that you get when you go to watch this movie. 
It's it's uh, a, it's one of the best trailers I've ever seen, but it's it's also I love really watching old trailers. Remember when we watched nothing but Grindhouse trailers? Yeah, there's a that set of four sweet. DVDs called uh, Forty Second Street Forever, which is just nothing but like ninety minute compilations Didn't of old Grindhouse trailers. Did we only watch two of them though? We did, but there's four of them. Well, we need to watch three and four. Okay. Okay. Maybe we will. Uh, so yeah, just a couple. The one other thing I wanted to talk about uh, in the eighties. There was a, a movement in the UK, and this movie was designated as a video nasty, which was sort of the the colloquial name given to a group of films that were banned, basically, in the UK for reasons of um, obscenity, specifically on video cassettes. So they wouldn't, they couldn't be released domestic uh, in the UK on video cassettes. So you couldn't get them at home. So for a long time, it was really difficult to get a copy of this movie, other than really severely edited ones. Uh, until fi- and then in 1999, they resubmit the board to the. Uh, the film to the reviewer or whatever who had no problem passing it and saying it wasn't obscene times had changed and people had gotten more used to this kind of thing because you know at the time you gotta remember this is one of the first times you have seen this kind of gore in a borderline mainstream movie you know yeah. uh, there had been gore films before this but this was probably one of the first bigger ones I'm not gonna say it's the first I don't really necessarily know but um, but the problem was because the film had been designated one of these video nasties it, it was prosecuted that way so the, right. the the review board couldn't they they had no problem with it but they still couldn't allow it to be shown because it still had this designation of being uh, illegal because of this video nasty designation it was given in the 80s so then 2005 they finally overturned that whole obscenity and video cassette act thing and the movie was finally given a proper release on DVD uncut in the UK so if you want to see this movie there's a couple of ways you can get it right now there's a uh, a D- Media Blasters has an edition out on DVD on Amazon. Um, it's the same edition. It's, it, I think it's a two disc. No, this is the one disc edition, but I believe it has the commentary. I read about the commentary on this that uh, because it had never been released properly in the UK, the actor who played uh, Peter, Ian McCullough, had never actually seen the whole movie. So really? the first time he watched it was when they recorded the commentary track for the movie, and he was amazed at how gory it was. He had so no he, idea. He had first watched it while doing the commentary. Yeah, in two thousand five. He'd never seen it before. He'd Whoa. never seen like he'd see remember doing parts, but he had he didn't realize how gory it was. That's yeah. funny that he was in it and he didn't know. Exactly. So that's the two D. And I think that's a really cool idea to like record yourself watching something for the first time that you're in. Oh, totally. That's really neat. Yeah, so that was the that's a Region One uh, DVD two disc edition, and there's also uh, Underground Blue or Blue Underground actually I think it's called put out a two disc Blu-ray edition as well, uh, which you can also get on Amazon, but it's like forty bucks. But that brings us to the last segment where we're going to give our our scores out of ten. So I'll just kind of give you an idea of what my scores out of ten mean. I don't know how Nicole does her scale, and that's up to her. She can explain it herself. But for me. Um, I used to do them out of 5, and then I kept doing .5, so I figured I guess I might as well just do a 10, and I'm going to do .5s anyway. <laughs> so basically, like an 8 through a 10 means I really, really liked it, and I think we should probably own it. Uh, a f- a f- you know, probably about a f- 4 to a 7 would be, I liked it, but maybe not that much. Or up to, yeah, I liked it, it was pretty good, but I don't necessarily think everybody needs to own it unless they're a hardcore collector or have OCD. And then one to three is this. There's this is not a good movie. You don't really need to watch this movie at all. All right. Unless you're absolutely a completionist or you have OCD. What is your ten scale? Similar to that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So, what's your score out of ten for this movie? I give it a nine out of ten. A nine out of ten. Wow. Yeah. That's a high score. Mm-hmm. You like this movie? I really liked it. That's good. I man. didn't think I would, because um, even I though it... I well. 
yeah, I go against most things you do <laughs> and pick. But, but while I've been more open to like foreign movies, different movies, old movies, you know, I've been more open to that lately. I'm still skeptical of them that I won't like them as much or they'll be boring. Um, this one did take a little bit of time to get started, but I thought that the payoff was worth it. It's almost like the reverse of my complaint of you know new action movies, how they start off with like all this crazy action and it's boring now, right? Yeah. I liked the build-up to it. That's good. I actually give this an 8. Um, I also really liked it, but I and I agree with you that there are parts of this movie that are a bit slow, and because it lacks some of the things that, say, Dawn of the Dead have with the maybe the social context, like the, the allegorical zombies representing, you know, human commercialism or something. Yeah. Since there was less of that to look forward to, the board, like the, the long, slow stretches felt long and slow to me in places. I still really liked it. And luckily, they were smart enough to have some really good set pieces scattered in between. But there'd be 15 minutes straight of very little happening and sort of just them walking or riding on a boat. I thought that was a, a build-up to, to I agree. what happened. And that made what happened more exciting. Yeah, and the payoff, I do agree. The payoff of the movie is totally worth it. The last half an hour is great. Mm-hmm. But just, I again, I give this an 8 out of 10. Like This means I really like this movie. And we're like, going to buy the Blu-ray. Like I, I was fine with that topic, the allegorical oh, yeah. and too. social context because we've already seen that. Yeah. And, and while I think that that could still be pushed further, I liked that this... Just didn't touch on that, but it still took root in like the real, real live history of zombies with voodoo. Sure, um, and when I say that it didn't have the social satire, I don't mean that it needed to. I mm-hmm. just mean because it didn't have that, there was really nothing to focus on in the long stretches between oh, yeah, things that happening. Makes sense. I didn't need to have that. It just because nothing was happening for a little while, and okay, things were happening, but they were slow moving, and because you knew what was coming, you know, and so a couple of those moments. They dragged a little bit, but not too much. Eight out of ten. Really, really good movie. And because he's like you said, a lot of the dubbing um, was either done well or not done well. I found that a bit distracting. See, that doesn't bother me at all. I think maybe because I watched so many crappy B movies that that kind of thing doesn't bother me. But if it had all been done well or all done bad, I would have got used hmm, to it. That's I a didn't good point. couldn't get used to it because of that. Okay. Well, that is the end of the first episode. Wait, I didn't get to say my favorite part. Oh, go ahead. What was your favorite part? Um, the shark. <laughs> that end. That was your favorite part? Yeah. Uh, no, my favorite part was the eye. That hurt my eyes to watch <laughs> it. It's so good, though. Can I end the podcast? Well, why don't you tell the people at home what we're going to be looking at next week, in mm-hmm. case they want to watch it and follow along. All right, so next week is my pick, yeah. and I'm taking Joey and I out for our date tonight to go see... The new Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 3D. Uh, you're incorrect. The movie is not called that. I read this was a whole thing online. The movie is called Texas Chainsaw 3D. Don't ever at uh, me. I'm just saying. I was really surprised. I was like, wait, what? It's actually, there's no massacre in the title. The movie doesn't have a massacre What's in it. What's it called? It's called Texas Chainsaw 3D. It's got nothing to do with massacre. So it's my pick, and I don't even know what it's called. Joey, yeah. Mr. Professor here, knows better than me. <laughs> I happened to read a review of it today that explained that. Okay, anyway. so if you want to watch... Texas watch, Chainsaw 3D. Listen to us. I keep think, wanting to call them viewers. <laughs> Listeners. <laughs> Listeners. Fans. Fans. Loving, adoring public. You can More tune in Charlie. next week. What time? What, when do we... Tuesdays. On Every Tuesday. <laughs> Every Tuesday there'll be a new episode. So... Until next week, go ahead.
That end. No, that's not how we end. I want to end it that way. Okay, I tell you what. How about I end this one so you can see how it's done, and then you can do it next time, okay? Can we save that end together? Fine, fine, fine. Okay. So until next week, from Brian of the Creature and everyone here at FlashFact.org, I am the Creature, Joey G, Colonel Two Sheds on Twitter. And I'm the Bride, Nicole Kazaki. The, the end. end. How could this woman ever decide to wed this man?